corporate and uh, same text that we're dealing with Romans 14, 17 to 18. Romans 14, 17 to 18. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is says, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Hallelujah. This evening we want to begin to define God's righteousness as it relates to God's kingdom. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, which I think everybody do know, but let's read it. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. The word says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye forth the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So here we'll find that God has his own righteousness that we are asked to seek. Am I right? When he says, seek ye forth the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're looking at the righteousness of God. Now, if God has his own righteousness, it simply means there could be other righteousness. But here we are asked to see God's righteousness. And from our text, we're talking about a kingdom which is not meat and drink, but righteousness. So whose righteousness? This passage is telling us is God's righteousness. Amen? Hallelujah. And God's righteousness is talking about his own standard of life and living. The very life that will please him. Uh, I'm going to make a few definitions and maybe explanations. But let me use scriptures to explain this. Can we turn to the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20? Romans 3 and verse number 20. What is God's righteousness? That is the life he's expecting you to live to please him. Because righteousness, as we're going to be seeing much later, has to do with right standing with God. We've mentioned that before. Your right standing with God. He who is righteous pleases God. So what are you supposed to do to please him? Romans 3.20 Are we there? The word says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Are you there? By the law is the knowledge of sin. 21 and said, but. Now, when you say but, it's like something else different from what you've already observed. Is that okay? Okay. But now, 
righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Now I want you to catch that because it's very crucial. But now, the righteousness of God is being manifested. That's without the law. Now, don't forget, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, here he's telling you, God's righteousness is being revealed. And it's not only being revealed, it's being witnessed to by the law and the prophet. So, can we find what that means? Go to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Let's look at 28 to 29, then to 31 also, that's okay. Luke chapter 9, 28 to 31. The word says, And it came to pass, after an eight days after the saints. Now, it has to do with when Jesus told the disciples, some of you stand here shall not taste death until you see the Son of Man come in his kingdom. Okay? You find them more in the book of Matthew chapter 16, the last verse before you go to 17. Now, in case of chapter, uh, the book of Matthew 16, when you get down to verse chapter 17 and it says, after six days, this one says, after eight days, there is no controversy. It has to do, if you take time, time not permit us to go back to the book of Leviticus, you will understand how and how many days, uh, things were supposed to be put in place before the very moment of what we call the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay. But however, just go on this. And it came to pass, about an eight days after this saying, he took Peter, John, and James, and went up into a high mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, which is Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of the disease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Amen. I mentioned that to you some time ago, but if you take your time to read the Bible, you find that even in the book of Acts, before he was taken up into glory, or when he was taken up into glory, two men appeared, which spoke to the disciples, why gaze ye up into heaven? Two men, not angels, two men. Take time to read the Bible. It's the same two men that have appeared here now at the time of his transfiguration. Now what is going on here is they came to strengthen him as he was about going to the cross. Remember, in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying that this corpse should be taken away from him. Is that okay? Now he's about going to Jerusalem. He's going down to the cross. It was like saying the flesh is still weak. Now, Elijah and Moses have to come to him. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophet. So, Romans 3.20 says, 
the law and the prophet witness to the righteousness of God. So what is going on here is, they came to strengthen him to be able to go to the cross. It's like saying, we as a prophet prophesied about your death. And then Moses said, I wrote about your death. In other words, if you don't go to the cross, our testimony has fallen to the ground. So please be encouraged to go. This is the picture. Are you getting the point now? So, Romans 3.20 is not saying, the prophet and the Lord, they are witnessing the righteousness of God. So simply put, who or what is the righteousness of God? Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. So when the Bible says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he is dealing with a person. Christ is the righteousness of God. It's so simple. We're going to see more of that. But this is all that happened, or this is precisely what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. The law and the prophet were witnessing unto the righteousness of God. To say, you can go, we spoke about you. And if you take time to run through your Bible, you find out, right from the time he was to go to the cross, till when he died and he rose again, these two men were always following him. Have you noticed that? If you go down to the grave, when his body was not there, two men were there. It was the same two people that answered the disciples when they came and said, where did you lay the body? They saw one at the head and one at the feet. These two men. Often you think it has to do with angel. It wasn't angel. Oh, help me, Father. I don't want to go that far. But watch this. That tells you that when you drop the flesh, that is not the end of the ministry. Did you get that? Elijah and Moses have all died before Jesus came. But because of the role they played in life and the, their level of appreciation in God, they could still function on the other side. They could appear, break through from the realm of spirit, and then you see them as angels. But they appear, the Bible says, in glory. That's the best definition for that. Amen? Well, that's something else. But let's move on now. So, you get a definition of God's righteousness? Simply Jesus Christ. Amen? Alright. So, here we see God's righteousness has to do with Jesus. And then uh, the prophet and the law has to do with Moses and then uh, Elijah that we're witnessing. Okay. So, <clears throat> in other words, you may probably be asking the question, are you saying God's righteousness, what is it then? If you want to talk about God's righteousness, what do I do to become righteous? If I may ask you the question, what will be your answer? What will you do to meet God's standard? It's simply to believe into who? Jesus Christ. And that's all. Is that alright? Praise the Lord. There is virtually nothing. You know, somebody once asked me a question. I told him, I said, there's nothing you can do to be righteous. For you to have God's acceptance, there is nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing. Amen? You don't have to do anything. It is so simple. Okay, let's begin to read something. Romans 10. Romans 10. What do I do to become righteous? What do I do for God to accept me as a righteous person? What is God's righteousness? 
How do I receive his righteousness to become a righteous man? Hallelujah. Romans 10. Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God, Paul is speaking, for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Are you there? And going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Oh my God. Can you see anything there? Now, what was it that Israel were doing by which they were trying to establish their own righteousness? What was it? They were after the law. Simple. They were after the law. <laughs> and as long as you push on on the law, as long as you make people to come more under the law, you are trying to establish your own righteousness. Look at the churches around and look at the kind of thing they give to people to do. And very unfortunately, this is what people like. What do you think you can do to please God? Nothing. He has his own standard of righteousness. He has established his own righteousness. You can only believe into his righteousness and you are righteous. Praise the living God. But can you see that? Israel, look, look at it again. For being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now don't forget. Seek the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. For being ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto what? The righteousness of God. They have not submitted. By implication. By the time you think there are some things you must do to please God. You are also overlooking the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now tell me how you're going to be saved. Tell me how you're going to make progress. Tell me how God will be satisfied with you. No room. Most of all we have is not about but just absolute religion. Religion to the highest order. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse look at verse look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that does what? That believe it. That's all. Christ is the end of the law. When it comes to righteousness, you know what that means? Because there are certain things you must do in the law to be proved to be what? Righteous. But the Bible says Christ is the end to all of those kind of activities. You know, sometimes, look, some of people get me wrong. Maybe what I'm seeing, maybe because they're not seeing it, so no problem. But you know, I'm not against fasting. I believe we can do fasting. I love it. I know the benefit of fasting. But do you think, <laughs> just because you do fasting, then you think you are righteous because you're fasting? Now, you watch the man that came to pray. I mentioned that some time ago. I fast seven days. I do this. I do that. The other man say, God, have mercy on me. I don't do anything. 
Can you get the point? The Bible said the man that said have mercy went home justified in the sight of God. What did the Bible tell you in Isaiah 58 about fasting? He said, you do all of those fasting. See, that means nothing to me. This is the kind of fast that I want. Take care of your brother. Take care of the poor. And then your own righteousness and your own glory will spring forth. Because all of those is in nature of Christ. Christ went about doing good. Hallelujah. Now we establish all manner of doctrines and things and put people in bondage. And we call that holiness. We call that all manner of things. People just behaving as if they don't know where they are going. And they don't know what they are doing. But here they are in churches. Christ at the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it. Verse 5. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. That the man who doeth those things shall live by them. Wow. Do you know what that means? It means if you want to have life, there are some things you must do to do what? To have life. The man that doeth those things must live by them. So when men prescribe things for you to do, they are telling you those are the things you must do to have light and to please God. They are not better than Moses. They are not different from Moses. They are the same people carrying the ministry of Moses. And the most unfortunate thing is the ministry of Moses is the ministry of death. Maybe I should progress and make you see that. You know, I have been thinking that, you know, most often, though I still believe that to a large degree, but you see, when you say the Lord of Moses, that includes even the Ten Commandments. It's, it's shocking. I will make you see that, but not today. So that even, <laughs> it's not just those animals, even in, that includes the law of command, the Ten Commandments, and it says it's a ministry of death. Second Corinthians 3. Have you read that before? We'll find time to read that. Not today. So let's make progress with what we're defining tonight, which is God's righteousness. But the key thing I want you to know is you can mark that in your Bible. Moses said, as touching the righteousness of the Lord, the man who doeth those things shall live by them. That means if you don't do them, you die. God have no protection for you if you fail in one of those laws. If you fail one, you fail all. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here we are seeing that life is a function of righteousness. Am I right? Come on. Are we together? He said, he said the man that doeth those things shall live by them. That means life is a function of what? Righteousness. It means righteousness delivers life to you. That is why the subject of righteousness is very critical. Because protection, provisions, prosperity in life depend on it as a believer. Protection, provision, prosperity depends on righteousness as a believer. That's what Moses is saying. The man that doeth them shall live by them. Did you get that? 
Hallelujah. So the man that gets life is the man that does those things that Moses wrote down. Are we together? But we know that it's practically impossible to keep all the laws of Moses. So even so, if you come, that is why there can never be life for those who practice it. That's why it was continuously a ministry of death. Because it's not possible for you to keep all the laws of Moses. You can't even keep half. Are you still there with me? So the people must continue to die. But the Bible, Moses is saying, hey, listen, he who does those things will live by them. In other words, I've told you, if you want to live, you have to do them. Now, it means the people must continuously die because they can't do them. And now, somebody also wants to bring some law for you to keep on keeping so that you can live. It also means the person is also saying, you can't live. You have to die. Because you have to keep, keep on all the laws. Keep keeping all the laws. Hallelujah. Look at verse 6. Are we there? But the righteousness which is of faith, praise God. On this wise, say not in the heart, which shall send into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from heaven. Or who shall descend into the deep. That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what said it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Glory to God. Amen? In other words, what are you supposed to do to get God's righteousness? Nothing. Just confess Jesus as Lord. (laughs) You see, Jesus made this thing simple. But we want to make it difficult. Hallelujah. You see, everyone that calls the name of life Jesus Christ shall be saved. Did the Bible say so? And you must understand the word save. Save is not that you become a believer. To be saved, sozo or sozo actually means healing, deliverance, protection, prosperity. Spiritual and body, complete. That's what the word salvation means. It's not just that you, are you saved? Yes. What's the evidence of your being saved? I speak in tongue. I'm not talking about that. Okay. Go to First Corinthians 1. The word of faith which we preach. <laughs> Amen. First Corinthians 1. Let's look at verse 30. Praise the Lord. But of him are ye in Christ. Who of God is made unto us. What? Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Now, I want to read it from the Amplified Translation. I find something interesting in it from the Amplified. Praise the Lord. Verse 28, I'm reading from verse 28 of the Amplified Translation. It says, 
And God also selected deliberately those, I mean deliberately chose, what in the world is low-born and insignificant and branded and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, that he might depose and bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29. So that no natural man or no mortal man should have pretense for glorying and boasting in the presence of God. This has to do with religious activities. Look at the next thing, which is verse 30. But it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God. You know what that means? Reveal to us the knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself to us as our righteousness. Hallelujah. Those making us upright and putting us in right standing with God and consecrating, making us pure and holy and redemption, providing our ransom for eternal penalty for sin. Christ, God made Christ all of these to us. The wisdom is to know about the saving ability of Jesus Christ. Our righteousness is that we can stand before God justified. And because we are justified, He is consecrating us, in other words, making us holy. Are you see following what I'm talking about? And not just that, in terms of redemption, providing our ransom from eternal penalty. In other words, everything that should have separated you eternally from God has been taken away. Everything that will make you want to approach God and become who God intended you to be has been taken away. Every form of judgment that God was supposed to judge you has been taken away. He took the judgment upon himself. Praise the living God. The last verse says, So then, as it is written, Let him who boasts and proudly rejoice and glories, boasts and proudly rejoice and glory in the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Okay. I want to go back again to Romans 10. And I'm going to read him from the message translation. There are some things I want you to pick from these passages. So that you can see how God has really simplified the issue of worship for us and to us. Man is just making it more difficult. You should be, you should be so happy rejoicing. Do you know what it means? To serve God under those conditions. Listen, anytime you were, if you were to be under Moses' law, anytime you worship, your mind is always telling you, I've offended God. I've offended God. I've offended God. Every step you take, you've offended God. There is never a time. As a matter of fact, your head is always down. You can never look up to your father. But God said, I know man and humanity cannot continue this way. There is no way I can truly be a father to them if I allow this to continue. I make a provision. I produce my own righteousness. They only need to believe in what I've done. 
And then they are righteous before me. Isn't that simple enough? Everything, people, that you can ever get from God has to do with belief. Just one factor. Nothing more. Because he has provided for everything. So you only need to believe in what he has provided for and become yours. The package all about life is inclusive in salvation. You don't need to seek one separately. Now, if you know what grace and peace means, remember peace also includes the word prosperity. If you know what that means, then you should know. You only need to come to the place of walking in grace and that which belongs to you will definitely be yours. There is nothing you're looking for in life that is not within the framework of grace that God has provided for. As relating to the word salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going back again, like I said. Revelation 10. I want to read from verse 4. From verse 4. I'll read it up to verse 10 again from verse 6. Verses I want to read from this passage. From the message translation. He said the earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah. What was the earlier revelation? Talking about the laws. The ministry of Moses were simply intended, were simply intended to get us ready for the Messiah. Who when puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. You together? Who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. So catch that. Because you couldn't do it, Lord. You put your trust in him. He put it right for you before God. Amen. Are we see together? <laughs> Verse 5. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the Lord code to live right before God soon discover it's not easy. Oh my God, I like that. You will soon realize. You want to keep the laws? You will soon realize it's not easy. Remember we are dealing with Romans chapter 10 from 4 to 10. Verse 5, I repeat again. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print is not easy. Are you still there? <laughs> Verse 6 says, but trusting God to, to shape the right living in us is a different story. Trusting God, trusting Christ, or trusting God to shape the right living in us is what? It's a different story. Hallelujah. What is this trusting God and putting... This trusting God for us to live right has to do with what? Righteousness. And then the next thing says, but trusting God to shape, as verse 6, I've read that. Okay, it's a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. Verse 7. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. Hmm? Verse 8. So what exactly was Moses saying? The world that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth 
and as close as a heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. Praise the living God. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Verse 9 says, So, the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. So that's the welcoming word. I remember in those days, we used to read, is it Ali Baba and the 40 thief? How I many of you read that or you saw that? And then you come to a place where you say, open season. You remember that story? And the doors open, good things comes out. You don't need to box to get the doors open. It was simply open season. And what is he saying? I say, you want to get through, you want to get into victory? What will you say for God to be at work on your behalf? Jesus is my master. One word. That's a word of faith. So when you shout that, God listens to you. He hears you. That's the key that you need. Not all these struggles, all these struggles and formulas and whatever. No, you don't need all of that. Just one word. God is not looking for anything. Just one word. Hallelujah. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That is it. You are not doing anything. You are simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That is salvation. Oh my God, I like this. I like this. You are doing nothing to be saved. You are doing nothing. Somebody say, hey, pastor, you're making it too simple. You mean (laughs) we can do anything? No. Anything he wants to do will be with the right spirit, with the right mind, with the right understanding. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to be preaching a message for you. The Bible tells us, when this Mary that broke the alabaster box, remember this story? And they were saying, oh, he wasted the money and all of that. Hmm? Jesus was trying to give an illustration. Okay? He said, if two persons owe debt, remember that, and somebody came and forgave them both. Who will love the person most? He said, the man that is forgiving the more. Is that okay? Very good. That means your level of love to Jesus is dependent on how much value you place on the forgiveness that's given to you. If you put all the sins you have committed, your fathers and what have committed, and God cleans them out, that's enough for you to do what? To love him. You don't love him because of what he has given to you. You love him first and foremost because he forgave you. Listen, the prosperity and all the good things of life that he's bringing to you, they are coming to you because you belong to him. But your love for him is because he first loved you. So how much value is it? When we don't love Jesus, it's not because we... We're thinking of what we get. No, that's not the issue. First of all, think about his forgiveness of your past sins, of that even which your father has committed. That will determine how you can love Jesus. And the scriptures say, we do not love him, we love him, though he first what? Loved us. Hallelujah. 
So anything you do with the right spirit, fine. It's appreciated. But in that context, it is still within the context of the righteousness of God. You are not doing it to please him. You are doing it because of love. Is that okay? Just an appreciation. Praise the Lord. Alright. Verse 10 says, With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right, and then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between me and him. Amen. You say it loud and clear. And this is why I keep on saying, you can't allow anybody to come and put some things on you by no means. Because as far as your life and God is consigned, it is settled. It is completely settled. You have no problem. God has no problem with you. God is not angry with you. Amen. Let's, let's take a look, for instance, a, a practical demonstration of the life of a man who trusts in the righteousness of God to get all that he needs to get in life. And that is Father Abraham. Let's get down to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I wish I can get you to see some things tonight about the righteousness of God. So that we don't go about establishing our own righteousness exactly like the Israelites were doing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Abraham's righteousness. Let's look at that. Romans 4. Are we together? What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? What did Abraham see? He's talking of founding something, talking of locating something. What did Abraham locate? <laughs> Glory to God. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had wherefore to glory, but not before God. In other words, if Abraham were to have done some things that qualify him for anything, fine, he can boast in those things, but not before God. By implication, he did nothing to qualify him to boast why God chose him. Nothing. Hallelujah. For what say the scriptures? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for what? For righteousness. That's all. God simply said, hey Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. Abraham said, I believe sir. He said, you are a righteous man. And just because you are righteous... Everything that I'm promising you, you're going to get it. Now tell me what Abraham did to get a child. Only to a promise. I'm sure you know somebody said, but he got Hagar's child and he got Ishmael. And maybe some of you don't know, but for this local assembly, I'm sure you know that Abraham was not the father of Ishmael. Was Abraham the father of Ishmael? No. You know, I'm sure you know that here. Yeah? For other churches, they may not know, but you do know that Abraham was not the father of Ishmael. It was Abraham that was the father of Ishmael. Abraham was the father of Isaac. He had only one child. Never two children, one child. I'm, I'm not if you remember that. It's Abraham that gave birth to Ishmael, not Abraham. Abraham gave birth to, I mean, Abraham gave birth to Isaac 
But Abraham gave birth to Ishmael. So Abraham has one child. Not two. Are you still there? And that child was a child of promise, not a child of labor. You should know the difference. Ishmael came through labor, flesh, which represent the law. Galatian. How many of you have read Galatians 5, I'm sure? Uh-huh. He talks about Ishmael and Hagar, which is my sign, and Sarah, which is my sign. Remember that? These are the two seeds, the two laws, the two covenants. The old and new. So Ishmael actually represent the law. That is why it was through labor and quarreling that he came forth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have all been walking in the realm of Ishmael, struggling to please God. But we only need to receive by promise. That way God speaks, he empowers to bring forth. Hallelujah. Verse 4. Now to him that walketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Oh my God. You know what that means? When you are laboring, they pay you salary. But when it comes to great, it's something you get without laboring. That's why grace equals favor. Hallelujah. Where there is no grace, it is labor. <laughs> you see how they work for God. You see how much I'm working for God. You see how so as you are working for God, they expect pay. Hmm. But Paul will make a statement and says, I am what I am by what? The grace of God. So it's not even my labor. He said, I labor more than them all. But it's not a struggle of a man. Because the extent of which Paul went, even those who taught, they could do what he was thinking he could do. They couldn't do as much as he did. How? He had grace. While he was working in grace, others were laboring to please God. They couldn't go as far as Paul could go. Are you still there? But to him that walketh not, <laughs> but believe unto him that justified ungodly, his faith is counted for what? For righteousness. That's all. He that struggles not. <laughs> but he that walketh not, but believeth on him. The key thing is believe. Believeth him that justified the ungodly. His faith is counted for what? For righteousness. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Mm. David saw this thing. Look at, look at the life of David. In fact, David and, and Abraham were very specific characters in the Bible that, if you want to talk about walking to Mary, God right, both of them were never qualified. For Abraham, he was such a liar, left and right. Huh? <laughs> Are you following what I'm talking about? Left and right. 
David, ah, he can skip to kill just to please himself. But you see, David saw himself that even those things which he did were not imputed unto him. Say, blessed is man whom God does not impute what? Iniquities. He saw grace. Hallelujah. So even as David described the blessed end of man, unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are those, are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Man, don't let anybody expose those things you think your father did. That is no ministry. Huh? It's no ministry. I'm just praying God will help some of our, some of our members to come to this understanding of what I'm talking about. God is not counting anything against you. There is no record anywhere about your past. Amen? No record. Blessed is that man whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He saw it himself. Look at David. You see, the two characters that this man is talking about, they were terrible characters in the Bible. Are you following what I'm talking about? (laughs) Now, look at verse 9. Comment this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. In other words, is it the Jews alone that will get this or also the Gentiles? Look at verse 11. And he received the sign. Who is receiving sign here? Abraham. Okay, what it does, okay, verse 10, I'm sorry. Look at verse 10. How was it then reckoned? When it was in what? On circumcision, or in on circumcision. Not in circumcision, but what? In on circumcision. Now I want you to begin to pick something here. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Now watch this. So the Bible is saying, when did Abraham become a righteous man? Was it when he obeyed the law of circumcision or before circumcision? And the answer said, before what? Circumcision. So he had grace before even the law came into place. Before he was asked to go for circumcision, before any of those things, he was already a righteous man. What made him a righteous man? He simply believed what God said. Now you see, sorry to say, but the truth is, circumcision in the Old Testament equals water baptism in the New Testament. It's a sign of the proof, if I may use the word, of your faith. But that is not where you are saved. That is not where you are made righteous. You were already made righteous before you go to the river. How do you? 
the day you believe and accept Jesus Christ, you are righteous. Going to the river is a proclamation. It's like putting a handbill and say, this man have repented, whatever it is. Now, it means God can bless you before you come into religious activities because the man that God blesses is the righteous man. How do they attract the blessings of God? Not because of what you do in church, but because of your faith in what he has done. Am I communicating tonight? <laughs> Blessed is the man. Because the righteousness is not counted based on works, but on faith, which has to do with simple believing. I wish you can come to believe God. I wish you can come to know. Listen, man. There is so much God have really blessed us with. But we can't catch these things because we don't seem to know yet. Our mind are not be open to the things that God has made available because we think there are some things we must do to get the things that God has made available religiously. So there are prescriptions for all kinds of things for people to do to observe. Just because they want to please God. He don't have anything to do to please Him. You want to please him? It's under the blood. Believe in Jesus Christ. That's all. Have the keyword or the password to your computer. What's the password? Jesus, my master. That's your password. Hallelujah. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not the uncircumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which had been yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham, or not to Abraham, or to his seed, through the law, but through what? The righteousness of faith. Righteousness of faith. Righteousness of faith. Hallelujah. Somebody will say, but Pastor Dave, then, the Bible says, faith without work is dead. Oh yeah. I am saying, the things you do should be under faith. For that which is without faith is sin. Does that make sense? <laughs> it is even as you, listen, 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 listen. We have a lot of religious people who does a lot of things. Are they righteous before God? As far as the word of God is concerned, no. Even if you build an estate for a church and you don't believe in Jesus, to God you are not a righteous man. Does that make sense? They are simply good works, but without righteousness. They are all religions all over the world that have a lot of things to do. You still term them unbelievers. Why do you call them unbelievers? If it is works that prove who you are. In fact, we have religions in this world that give more arms than the average Christian. Am I right? Praise the Lord. Verse 14. For if they are of the, of the, of the law, for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of non effect. Did you get that? If it is by regulation, they are going to be the heir of Abraham. 
then faith is made of non effect. <laughs> Verse 15. Because the law worketh wrought. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Note it. And any time there's a transgression, you lose out on everything. Everything is like gambling. You lose out on everything. Listen, assuming you've been working righteously before, you'll be building up and they'll be counting for you. One, two, three, four. You got 20 points, 60 points, 50 points. All of a sudden, you hit one wrong button. Everything that you have gotten before, is erased. you are going to start all over. That is the way the law operates. Are you following what I'm saying here? You may start counting, doing those things. Well, okay, that's it. And then you already got in by 80 points. And mistakenly, you hit the wrong button. God said, everything you have accumulated is gone. <laughs> Start all over again. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Tell me how you're going to make all the points to become a righteous man. Because you are trying to hit a 100% target. How are you going to make it? Because any day you fail along the chain, you are down. You start all over. Praise the Lord. The law of work at all, but where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith. Abraham, who is the father of us all. Praise the living God. Amen? I want you to think seriously on this. Maybe next week I'm going to still continue with this so that you can see a little bit of the life of Abraham, where you have come into in God, and, and the provisions that God has made because of your simple faith. Look, I want you to live with ease in this world. I want, first, I want the scripture make you see, I'm by the grace of God trying to make you see how easy it is for you to get into all that God has in mind for you without struggle. Good sleep, good rest all the time and prosperity coming your way. Everything you will ever touch in life, you surely need to prosper. Why? Because God is with you. Why? Because you are God's own righteousness. He's not counting anything against you. Therefore, anything you touch is what? You'll prosper. If God be for us, who can be against us? God bless you. Can you please?